Welcome to the Taurus Community Church Podcast. We believe as a community, God wants us to learn to be with Him, to be like Him, and to do the things of Christ. This series, we dive into the topic of forgiveness. It's one of the hallmarks of Christianity, and we hope it helps you in your journey to be like Christ. If you want to find out more about today's topic or want to connect with us further, head to www.tarascommunitychurch.com.au. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, isn't it different this morning without, uh, without having our worship team here? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it is. It's, it's, uh, it's very, very different. But, you know, that's how it goes. And, um, um, you know, with people all around the world, um, in, in different countries, in, in different places, they'll be celebrating what we are today. They'll be celebrating Easter, and some of them will have great worship teams, some of them won't. <laughs> I don't reckon that the whole team will be in ISO, like pretty well was the case for, for us at the moment. But, but you know, we, we can come here together, and the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is, is in us. The Holy Spirit is within us. And that's the thing, isn't it? And the Holy Spirit will bind us together in a sense of, of unity, a sense of t- togetherness, as we come together, not because of the music, uh, not because of any other reason than, than we're actually here uh, to, to give honour and praise to Jesus for what he did all of those years ago. Now, Easter Sunday represents the beginning of a new life as Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death and sickness and sin. All of those things he defeated, he, he proved his mastery of uh, when he rose from the dead. And we know he rose from the dead because of the eyewitness reports. Uh, even those outside of the Bible, like um, uh, some of the early Roman reports, uh, reported how, uh, and also from Josephus, who was the, the Jewish historian who also led their army against the, the Romans, he reported about this miracle worker Jesus who had r- risen from the dead. It's an established historical fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't stay dead but rather there was a a new life that he actually rose into. And so what uh, Jesus entered into wasn't just an enhanced old life after the cross, uh, but a completely new life that isn't subject to to the limitations that we have as humans. And his invitation for each and every one of us is that we actually walk into, into this new life. It's not like a, an old life plus a little bit of extra, but it is a new life of a new beginning which he offers each and every one of us. So at Easter, we celebrate the works of Jesus at that first Easter. Uh, on the Friday, he was crucified and he died uh, as a sacrifice for our sins. But on the Sunday, he rose um, from the dead to a new and an eternal life defeating not only death, but sin as well. And what I want to do is we're going through uh, the the talk today, the message today. We're going to break in a a few different times just to discuss around the tables. And so the first thing that I've got for you to talk about today, just for a few minutes, is this. When, When you think about what Jesus did at Easter, what does Easter mean for you today? Now, we can easily talk about Easter, what does it mean for us today and the fact of uh, time with friends or, or, or having a nice time or whatever. But I want to I anchor it back into what Jesus did. And so how does... Um, when you think about what Jesus did at Easter, the fact that he sacrificed himself on the cross, he went through all the pain and all the torment, all the abuse the physical agony 
of dying on the cross, when he went through all of that and then came to rose again, defeating death, defeating sickness, defeating sin, I mean, that, that's just such a massive, massive impact. But there's such a massive point in history, the ripples of which go down the ages to today. And what does that mean for us today? So let's take a few minutes just around the tables just to start thinking about that, talking about that. Okay, let's, let's just get a bit of feedback. Um, who wants to share uh, with one of the thoughts from around their table? Yeah, Lyndon? No? Okay, Caleb, Caleb. Yeah, so Caleb said that they talked about the importance of Easter of putting yourself uh, last, serving family and friends and, and likewise. And so you're cooking tea tonight, Caleb, so, so that's, that's good. Uh, Erica is, okay. What, what's, that's a great thought. What about someone else? Stephen, I, I see your hand. Yeah. And uh, the kids 
Okay, about the meaning of Christ. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. What about someone else? Josh. Give me five. Way, way to go. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to go away. Okay, who's next? Ah, Ella. Big, big voice, big, big girl voice. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Any last comment? Mary. Okay, so Mary said it's about freedom, being able to, to have a freedom to go ahead and to live and you talked about hope and love and what was the other? Celebration. And celebration at the table. Yeah, no, that's great, that's great. Okay, well, forgiveness also plays a central role in the story of Easter and that's what we're going to talk about here today and I guess picking up from Mary, it's about the freedom that comes from forgiveness as we explore three big questions. Now, these are right at the core of the Christian faith, absolutely the core. And the first of the questions is, why do I need forgiveness? The second is, how do I receive forgiveness? And the third of these is, what should my response to God's forgiveness be? So before we go further, I'm just going to pray. Holy Father, I thank you and praise you, but you are such an amazing God. And through your Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. Through your Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and fall upon us here today saturate us with your, uh, with your presence and give us a, a sense of the forgiveness that we have received or can receive from you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first of these questions is, why do I need forgiveness? And the answer is quite simple. It's that three-letter word called sin. Uh, that, that's why we need forgiveness. Sin is what blocks us from having a perfect relationship with God, both in this life and also in the next. Um, I think a lot of the people in this room would know that, wouldn't we? Was that, is that a fair comment? We understand that? But do we really understand it? Because as I go through life and I see so many people who know Jesus, uh, it's, um, there's so many of us that will live his way on a Sunday but live in a different way the rest of the week. And I, I don't, really don't really know that we actually understand and think about the gravity of sin and what it really means and what it really happened when Jesus, through his sacrifice, gave us the opportunity to have that, 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 um, that sin taken away from us through his forgiveness. So that's what we want to look at today. Now, there are two ways that we can have a perfect relationship with God, that perfect relationship with God. And I'll tell you straight off, one of the ways is impossible. But that's what we're going to be exploring first of all. We'll see why it's pretty well impossible to have a perfect relationship with God this way. Uh, and that first way is to live a perfect life. Uh, that is, a life that is perfect in God's eyes, not in your eyes. I mean, in our eyes, we might think that uh, a perfect life is having a really good income, being, uh, being accepted and revered by people. 
having a nice house, having nice leisure time, and having a nice lifestyle. That's not a perfect life in God's eyes. Uh, God's, in God's eyes, it's far, far different. And so it's very easy for us to, to desire this perfect life and not realise that that is actually, it can be quite, quite apart from the perfect life that God actually has for us. Uh, see, whenever we sin, that perfect life uh, is, is unravelled. Whenever we sin, we, come, we fall short of the kind of life that God actually has for us. Because sin is a barrier that separates us from God. Now, for example, if uh, hypothetically, if, if, if a cross here represents God, where, where he is, his presence, and I have sin, it means that I can never come, come to him. There's a, like a, a barrier that's actually stopping us coming towards him. And that's because one of the aspects of God's character is holiness. And holiness means, what does holiness mean? And Wholeness, it also means separateness from sin. It means that, we're, that God is separate from sin. And so when I have sin in my life, it means that there is this barrier that's actually separating me from God. Now, it takes just one sin to actually cut us off from God. Not just for five minutes or an hour, but for an eternity. It, it takes just one sin to see that, that relationship that we want to have with God made impossible, both in this life and the next. It just takes one. And I think, friends, that often we don't realise this. Often we, we, we think about Christianity as being a lifestyle that we, we can see some benefits in. You know, I um, <coughs> caught, a, <coughs> pardon me, caught a plane a few weeks ago and I ended up sitting next to a guy and, and this guy... Um, his name was Cyril, and uh, he, was, he was worth hundreds of millions of dollars, I found out. And um, uh, he, he was a lovely guy, mid-40s, but he, when he asked me what I did, and I told him the P word, that I was a pastor, um, he then started unpacking the fact that he'd been in a relationship with a woman uh, until a few months ago, and the woman had broken off the relationship, and the woman was a Christian. And in his words, he, he said that, um, that the lifestyle that he had lived was quite hedonistic. You know, he had the money and, uh, I guess, the looks and everything to, to get what he wanted, to do what he wanted, and to seek self-pleasure. But, but having been around this woman for a period of time, he came to realise that her influence was actually making him into a better person. And it actually opened up the whole realm of Christianity as something that he was actually interested in exploring. Now, I've got to tell you that Christianity is more than a nice lifestyle. It's more than uh, just choosing uh, to actually uh, come to church and, and to, to, to actually adopt a lifestyle like this, which could have a positive effect on your life, Christianity is much more than that. Christianity is about having the sin that separates us from God actually removed so that we can actually live the life that God wants us to live and so that we can become the people that God wants us to have and so we can come to have his Holy Spirit within us actually shaping us and leading us through our life. It's massive. It's a massive difference that comes because of our, our faith, because of Christianity, as we come to realise, as we come to understand, it's not just a lifestyle choice, but it's far, far deeper than that. 
Uh, there's a spiritual nature to Christianity that goes far beyond uh, choosing lifestyle. In fact, the lifestyle that we have will come out of the choices that we make, which are essentially spiritual, because essentially that choice comes, uh, comes down to, what will I do with God in my life? That's, that's essentially the choice that we actually have. So it takes one, just one sin, though, to cut us off from God's presence in our life. The book of James uh, in the New Testament says this. When, when James wrote this, he said, whoever keeps the whole law, in other words, whoever lives a perfect life and yet stumbled at just one point of, is guilty of breaking all of it. So we can actually think that our life is together, we, we don't swear, we don't, um, don't commit adultery, we don't steal, we're nice people, and yet we can still have sin in our life which makes us unacceptable to God. Just one sin. Sin can be like throwing a rock at the window and it just gets in the top corner of the window over there and it fractures the top corner of that window. And as a result, the window is broken. You cannot say that the window is not broken. Just one sin is all that it takes. Now, sin has the effect between us and God like breaking the window. It, 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 it changes our relationship. It changes our relationship. And you might say that you live a good life, um, that you keep virtually the whole law, and that you don't sin, and that you're okay. Other people might need forgiveness. You might say that, but not you. Jesus told a story about that, a parable about that, about a, a tax collector who was beating his chest in the temple and actually talking about uh, how good he was because he was righteous. He paid his, his tithes, he did all the, the things, not like that person over there. And that this person over there was down on his knees and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of you. Whereas the other person didn't see his need for God. Guess which one was, was righteous in, in God's eyes? It was the one who saw the need for God. Because we cannot earn our righteousness um, just through trying to live a perfect life. You know, it, just like the, the Pharisee, the tax collector, the outward working of our life might be all, all squeaky clean, but what about in here? You see, what we do with our, our hands, with our life... Uh, when we sin, it's called sins of commission, what we do. But often we're guilty also of sins of omission. It's like in the story of the prodigals, uh, the, um, um, uh, I've got a mental blank here, just give me a sec, just forgive me for the mental blank. Um, the the, the fellow who, who uh, was beaten up by robbers and he was on the highway, but... The Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, thank you, Mary. And um, just to show I wasn't perfect, by the way, just, just so we get that right. And, and, you know, we see these religious people just walk past him. Did they love like Jesus as they walked past him? No. Did they beat the guy up? No. So that wasn't the sin of commission, it was a sin of omission. Now, there's a verse in, in James that also talks about do not sin by, doing, by failing to do that which ought to be done. So we might say we live a good life, but let's put it to the test for a second. 
let's explore it a bit. And I don't want you to put your hands up about this, okay? Now, this is just between, between you and God. Have you ever stolen anything? What about as a kid when you've gone into a shop and you've seen some lollies there and you, you put one in your hand and, and walked away? Have you ever exaggerated on your tax return? Minimising income or maximising expenses? It wouldn't be the other way around, I'm sure. But have you ever done that? Which is really a form of lying. Have you ever told a, a white lie to make an excuse? Oh, sorry, I can't do such and such on Sunday because of... And it's all fabricated. What about holding on to unforgiveness? We looked at unforgiveness the other week. And we looked at how poisonous that is to our lives, to our spirit, to our emotions, to our relationship between us and God. When we hold on to unforgiveness... Or what about, have you ever been proud of, of what you've, you've accumulated or who you are, how good you look, um, the business that you've built, the house that you have? Have you ever had ungodly pride in your life? What about having sex outside of marriage? That's a sin as well. All of those things that I've mentioned are sins. What about showing favouritism to someone because of their social standing in life? What about that? Favouritism? Is that really a problem? Well, yeah, James 2.9 talks about favouritism. And it says that if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. So it's clear that each and every one of us is in trouble if we, can, if we think that we can earn God's favour by living a perfect and moral life, because God's standard is just too high. It's perfection. Not in our eyes, but in his eyes. It's the kind of life that he has for us, not the kind of life that we desire for ourselves. Now, a verse that I'm sure you all have virtually all know, Romans 3.23, says this. It says that, for all of us, that's one, two, three, four, five, that's each and every one of us, me included, have sinned and all of us fall, of sh fall short of the glory of God. Another translation says, all of us fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short. You see, sin is falling short of God's standard and his standard is perfection. His standard is utter perfection. Now think about how Jesus would respond to to people in situations, how he would feel, how he would act. In the case of a good Samaritan, if he were walking down the road, would he have just looked over at that guy over there and kept on walking? No. He would have been where that guy was. He would have been there picking him up. He would have been there loving him because he saw that he was a neighbour. Anyone can be a neighbour of ours. It's not just those who live next door to us or come to church with us or like us but it's each and every one of us. And, and God's standard for us is to, to be Christ-like in our nature, in our attitudes, in our actions. And so whenever we fall short of that, we fall short of um, God's standard. We sin and we need his forgiveness in our life. Now, think of how Jesus was unjustly tried when, at first Easter when he was about to be, to be crucified. How he was insulted, he was abused, and he was hung on the cross. 
And what did he do? What did he say to the soldiers who were there crucifying him? The ones who were drawing lots for his clothes down on the ground while he was hanging on the cross. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That's Christ's perfect standard that I fall well short of that you would also fall well short of. That's God's perfect standard, seeing in the life and the person of Jesus. But thankfully, God has provided a different way for us to come to him than relying on our own perfection. And that's by relying on what Jesus has done for us. The passage in Romans goes on to say that we can be justified freely by the grace of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What's that saying? Is that we, we can't earn our own perfection. We just can't do that. That's out of the ballpark. We can't do that. And so we have to rely on, on what Jesus has done. He lived the perfect life. But then he went to the cross and he died to provide forgiveness for us. On one hand, that forgiveness is automatic. It's there. But on the other hand, it's not automatic because we actually have to choose to receive it. And so the forgiveness is there for everyone who chooses to receive it, to receive his forgiveness. And so that brings us to the second question of how can I choose forgiveness? Well, just to recap a little bit, when my perfection or my attempt at perfection is based on what I can do, it's called works. It's called works, you know, what, what I do to earn uh, God's favour, and that's unachievable. It's totally unachievable because remember that just one sin, even if I only sinned once, there's an obstacle between myself and God. And so somehow we need to have that, that sin removed. That sin removed. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross and he, he rose again on the Sunday and he defeated the power of sin and death. And it's his grace, his unearnable gift to us that we can receive and that is receivable. So what we do ourselves is totally unachievable but what Christ has done for us is receivable. When you receive what Jesus has done for you, that barrier between you and God gets removed as you receive his forgiveness for every sin that you've ever committed. Every sin. Now, there's, there's no sin that is too big. There is no list of sins that is too long. Because his death on the cross is there to atone for each and every sin that we've ever done. We read in the Bible how people like the Apostle Paul were basically murderers. And, and uh, King David in the Old Testament, some of these heroes of the faith, Moses in the Old Testament. But that's not too big for God to put aside. And so no matter what you've been involved in, no matter what your lifestyle has been, no matter what the depth of your sin, all Jesus wants is for us to be like that, that person who was in the temple down on his knees and saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And to be able to come to Jesus, not with a sense of pride, but with a sense of humility, knowing our deep, deep need for him. When we receive what Jesus has done for you, that barrier gets removed. The slate gets wiped clean. 
And that means that you have his presence and guidance in his life, not just for this life, but also going on into the next in eternity as well. And you know, as the sin gets removed, as we receive forgiveness, we'll go into the life that God wants for you. You'll go into the life that God wants for you. You'll go into the life that he urges you to step into. The life that God has prepared for you. There's no place better to be, either in this life or in eternity. Now, I want you to listen here. Like you haven't been listening so far, eh? Um, Well, I hope you have been. But I want you to listen here about this, because there are a couple of things that deeply concern me. Not just in this congregation, but in any of the congregations that you know I've been in, basically. <sighs> if Jesus is calling me to live a life which is based on the cross, based on him, and this is my direction, but if I'm continuing to walk in a different direction, I'm not really following him. There is a life that he has for each and every one of us that he actually wants us to walk into. And that's more than just coming to church on Sunday. It's more than just just, uh, coming and and doing your dues. It's about walking the life that Jesus would have if he were I. Now, I want you to think about that. If Jesus was in your life right now, if he had your body right now, would your life be different? to what it currently looks like? I'll give you two starting points. There is a starting point where Jesus says that um, in John 13, 35, that they'll know that we are his disciples. And that's when we learn to love like Jesus. When our, our life reflects the love of Jesus, when we love like him, that's a good starting point. And the second is the great commission of actually to make disciples who will actually walk in Jesus' ways. That's a command for each and every one of us. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that he calls each and every one of us to do. In, in Matthew 28, 29 and 30, he says that a disciple is someone who will obey his commands. In other words, a disciple is someone who will apply his teaching to their lives. So when we become a disciple and we actually apply his teaching to our lives, that's also when we will come to love like him. Now, I'm not saying that we go from zero to 100% straight away. It's a journey. But it's a journey that Jesus wants us to step on as we, can't, as we understand what it is to follow him. Now, there's a second thing that's on my heart to talk about today. And um, this may be a little bit close to home for many people here. Um, but... I just want to say it was as much sensitivity as I can. For those that know me well, it's probably not much sensitivity at all. Um, but is that it, the thing is, I fear for your children. For many of you, I do fear for your children. I fear for your children who aren't following Jesus. I fear for your children who are on a pathway which is not a pathway where, where they're coming to the cross to receive a forgiveness that will take their sins away from them and that will see their lives and also their eternities transformed. I fear for them. So parents, if I can speak to parents here for a moment, what are you doing to actually to see your children come to truly understand the power of the gift that Jesus has 
of actually seeing his grace come into your children's lives to see their eternities being transformed. Because I know that there are parents here and in other churches around the place, I know there are parents who would rather keep the peace with our children rather than lovingly take them on a journey where they'd see their eternities transformed. And that's something I feel deeply about. Because I care more about your kids' eternities than I do about peace in a relationship for five minutes. Now that's not saying I want to be insensitive. No, not at all. Not at all. And we have to love our children. And what comes out of our heart has to be out of a heart of love for our kids. But their eternities are at stake. I remember, you know, I didn't grow up in a, a church home. Most of you know that. I came to faith when I was 26. And my mum, who was in her early 80s when she died, about a year before she died, we thought she was going to die. And she was in hospital. And um, she was in a pretty bad way. And had a heart attack and various things. And we didn't think she was going to come out. And um, I said to her one night, I said, Mum, can I talk to you about, about something? And she said, Yes, dear. What is it? And I said, I really fear for your eternity. And she said, Why is that? And I said, Because you know about Jesus. You went to a church based school all of those years ago. But you've never actually asked him into your life as your Lord and Saviour. And I told her, I would hate to see her go off to an eternity without Christ. And I would rather see her. Um, the place where one day I could be reconciled and reunited with her in the heavenlies in eternity. She prayed to receive Christ that night. I don't know how many times I've been bold over the years, but there was an opportunity there. And so for parents, can I say to you, don't cease being bold with your children. Look for the opportunities with your kids. You can't be like a dripping tap. You've got to be more sensitive than that. You've got to love, as, as, uh, you know, just love them with all of your hearts. But loving them with all of your hearts also means that you have the courage and the conviction uh, to want to see them one day with you in eternity. Rant over. So, how do I receive forgiveness? Well, the answer is simple. It's when I choose to follow Jesus. There's a story that says when Jesus went and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, he said, follow me. And he got up and followed him, leaving everything behind him. I want you to know that to follow means more than just to believe. In actual fact, the true sense of belief actually means you believe so much that you will actually want to follow. You want to, uh, to, to hitch your, your life to that person. Now, in, in our terms, I can believe in Al. Al's a good bloke. Doesn't mean that I'm going to follow him all, all of my life. And so, sorry, Al, I hope that doesn't come as a come down for you. But I could say that, say that with, with pretty well anyone here. And I believe that Lyndon's a really good bloke. I believe that Talia's a, a good lady. But you see, there's a difference between belief and actually following. 
And that's what Jesus wants from each and every one of us. He wants us to, to choose to follow him. Now, how can we do that? It means as a starting point that I want him in my life. I want him in my life as my guide, as my leader, as my Lord, as my true north. Will I stuff up at times? Yes. But his grace is sufficient there. His grace is sufficient there. But I want him in my life. I don't want to do life separate from him. I look at my own life and I look at how radically different it's, it's worked out because I've made that choice to follow him. And I wouldn't change it for the world. What else does it mean? It means that when I choose to follow him, it dictates how I spend my time, my money, how I use my house, how I use my resources. It dictates... Um, It'll change who I am. It'll make me have a hunger for working out his will, for reading what, for understanding what the, uh, the New Testament teaches us about, about what it is to be a follower of his. He wants my heart. And he wants your heart. And perhaps, just perhaps, some of you have cordoned off your heart to this little bit called Christianity or Jesus. He actually wants your whole heart. He wants to develop a relationship with you where there'll be relationship that's found in intimacy and worship and prayer and reveling in who he is from his word. It means that we should also thank him for what he has done for us. Thank him for when he died on the cross. Thanking him for, for a, providing the pathway for forgiveness of our sins. Thanking him, praising him. Now, in a moment, we're going to have communion. And as we have communion, there's some really complicated words I want you to say. I want you to listen carefully to these words. You ready? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As you take the bread that symbolizes his body that was broken on the cross for each and every one of us. And as we take the juice, actually the bread's a biscuit today, and as we take the juice, which symbolises his blood, which was spilled for us, with a heart of praise and a heart of thanks, a heart of adoration, I encourage you, when we come time to do this, to say thank you, Jesus. Friends, he did this so that anyone who chooses to follow him in this life would also follow him in the next. So can we take the, the emblems, please, that are on your tables? Can we have just the music on low, please? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is just to take a few minutes. Just take a few minutes just to reflect on what Jesus has done for you. And reflect on what this means for your life. 
what place he has in your life. Is there a decision that you need to make today? Perhaps to invite him to be your, your Lord and Saviour for the first time, your forgiver for the first time. Perhaps to come back to him. Perhaps it's to be a, a faithful witness to your children or your mum or your dad or your friends. And then I want you to take the, the bread and the wine, the biscuit and the juice, the body and the blood, and take it and just say thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross all of those years ago. You lived that perfect life and you showed us what love truly looks like. And you showed us what living out our faith should look like, even until death on a cross. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made. We thank you that it just didn't end with your death, but that you rose again to life, to eternal life. We thank you for the power of the resurrection and that that power is available to each and every one of us. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Friends, just as we're about to close, I just want to touch on, and this will just be for one or two minutes only, but the question of what should my response to God's forgiveness be? Obviously, part of it is to say, thank you, Jesus. We know that. But also our response shall go beyond our words. Our response shall go into our choices in life, into our, our lifestyle, into, into the actions, the way we live our life, the way we love others, the way uh, we live as Jesus would if he were you. Because that's what he wants. He wants us. He wants all of us. He wants every bit of who you are. And, you know, that's a lifelong journey. I'm sure not there yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm more there than I was 10 years ago. I'm more there than I was 20 years ago. And, God willing, in another 10 years, I'm going to be more there as he seeks to transform our life bit by bit by bit to be the reflection of a life that Jesus would live if he were us. So, as we finish today, I'm just going to ask you to uh, to, to have a bit more of a chat around the tables. I won't be coming back up here um, after that, but just finish with a chat around the table. And the question is, what would a person's life look like if a person truly lived their life for Jesus? What would a person's life look like if a person truly lived their life for Jesus? Thank you for coming along today. And uh, just pray that your, your rest of your Easter be safe, be blessed, and that you reflect on the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us and what it means for each and every one of us. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to know more or you want to connect with us and find more resources to help you be with Jesus, you can head to www.tarascommunitychurch.com.au. Have a blessed week.